Hey guys, and welcome to What the Fuck's Up podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kelly, and uh, I figured I was due for a little life update. Um, I'm also sure I have some new listeners, considering I have Alana Dunn on today, who is the host of Seeing Other People. So I just kind of wanted to reintroduce myself to anyone new here. My name's Caitlin. I live in New York City. I am a podcaster and an actress. And I started this podcast, uh, it sounds typical, but March of 2020. I was planning it beforehand, I swear. And it's a podcast about having different amazing people on, but then specifically being in your 20s and navigating all the ups and downs that come with it. Um, And I just, I'm so excited to have Alana on today. She actually introduced me to my current audio editor, whose name is Helena. And I also want to let you guys know that recently I was on her podcast, which is called Bad Liar. So look out for my episode there um, if you want to get to know a little bit more about me. And something else that's really exciting is that Alana and I decided to team up and we are doing a giveaway. It's a big one. We decide since we're podcasters that we would give away AirPods. So it's the newest kind of AirPod. I'm tech stupid. So whatever they're called, Pro, Max, who knows? Um, and then also some swag from our individual podcast. So I just made a pink tote with the logo on it. And then she has a sweatshirt. So go to our personal pages, alana.dun, D-U-N-N, at C-K-N-Y-1213 for me. And then our podcast pages. So at Seeing Other People and at WTF Sup Pod. And we will be posting from all these accounts about the giveaway. You can comment on any one of the posts, uh, tag a friend, all the things. Also, you get extra entries if I think three or five extra entries, it'll say on the post. But if you follow both of our podcasts and send us a screenshot of that. So you can do that. Just DM us the screenshot. We'll give you the extra entries. And um, the last thing you can do for it is you can share it to your story. And then if you tag us in that, you will also get some extra entries. But I'm bad with the details, so just go to the post to see it there. And I'm so excited for today's episode. We literally, like, I feel like I've known Alana my whole life. She's so amazing. She has such great energy. And we get into a lot of fun stuff. So here we go. All right, let's do it. Let's rock. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What the Fuck's Up podcast. Today, I'm joined by the Seeing Other People podcast host, Alana Dunn. Welcome, Alana. I'm so excited we finally connected because I was totally like creepily stalking you and your seeing other people Instagram for so long while I was like on a hiatus. We were saying before we started, but I was like, I feel like I'm like meant to be friends with this girl, but you also get that a lot. So (laughs) I do get that a lot, but I have to say like the stalk worked both ways, you know, like you were stalking me while I was stalking you. So for in this case, I do feel like I also know you, whereas most of the time I'll get on Zoom with somebody and they're like, I I know everything about you. And I'm like, oh my God, I know nothing about you, but okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not that deep in. I'm just like, I know her content. I know. Why she don't you know everything a- about me, Caitlin? Okay. I'm sorry. Hell? I'll That's do so better rude. work next time. Do you hate me? Oh my God. My detective skills are off. I'm so sorry. That's my bad. Like, this is so embarrassing. This is so unprofessional of me. I expect that you would know every detail of my life. Otherwise, I'm just insulted right now. Okay, you know what? I'm going to list off the things I do know so that the audience can know them too. You're like, I'm scared. They're nothing crazy. You also said most of them on the forum. Don't worry. Okay. Guys, she's starting to get nervous. You are from Westchester. Mm-hmm. You introduced me to my lovely now audio editor, Helena. What else? You co-host a dating podcast. If people didn't realize that seeing other people would be a dating podcast. And <laughs> after years of what sounds like some dating struggles on your end, which I can totally relate to. Dating struggles? Who, me? What? 
<laughs> Definitely not. I'm sorry. I totally spoke on your behalf. But now you have what seems like a great relationship going on with Jake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's how far I got. So don't worry. It's not much deeper than that. And you just seem like a wonderful, smart, lovely girl. So, oh, and you went to Syracuse. I did go to Syracuse. I did. It was a good time. Guys, do I seem creepy yet? <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. There were no deep, dark secrets revealed there, but we'll see. The The episode has just begun, so there's a lot to come. <laughs> exactly. I'm waiting on you to, at some point in the episode, obviously reveal all your deepest, darkest secrets, because that's how it podcasting happens. works, you know? It's yep. like... Hi, how are you? Now let's get into your whole life trauma. No, I'm kidding. You know, it's it's funny because I think my parents have learned more about me from listening to my podcast than they have in the 27 years of knowing me. Yeah, I bet my parents could definitely relate to that on some level or just (laughs) like... I mean, there are definitely episodes where I've been like, hey, maybe don't listen to this episode. But, um, But most of them you know, they listen to and are very supportive of. But there are certain things, like, even said offhandedly in some episodes where I'm like, probably when, like, you know, one-on-one discuss that. Yeah, but, definitely. But yeah, let's just jump into it. Um, so obviously, I introduced you in the weirdest way possible. But do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got so interested in dating and, you know, podcasting about dating? Yeah, absolutely. So... I'll just start by saying, like, if you had told me a few years ago that this is what I'd be doing with my life and my career, I would have laughed so hard because that was so (laughs) not part of the plan, not even at the time anything like I aspired to do. And I feel you right there. Yeah, right there with you. Here I am. And I, I couldn't be happier, though. So my background really is in like the music industry. That's what I studied in college. I studied television, radio, film and music business. And I really wanted to work in the music industry, help it using like my content creation skills to help artists connect with their fans more because I was a huge Jonas Brothers fan growing up. And so I just wanted to like somehow be involved in like making people fall in love with music the same way I did is what I would always say. But after a few years of working in the music industry after college, I realized that that was just like never going to happen. It could happen, but the music industry was just not a healthy environment for me. And it was incredibly political. And like, I was listening to my coworkers who were like 10 years older than me talk about how they're still living paycheck to paycheck. And I'm like, this isn't what I want for my life. So I felt really lost. And I was really sad because like, that was really what I wanted to do. And I wanted to use my like skills and my passions to help people, but it just wasn't happening. And I ended up uh, applying to this job at Hinge, which was a video and content producer role. And I really didn't understand what I would be doing in the role when I applied. (laughs) And that's probably my fault. But it was like, first line of the description was the face of Hinge on social media. And I didn't fully like, I kind of ignored that part was like, I could be a social media manager for them. Like, all my friends come talk to me about dating, whatever. Anyways, I get the job. And then they're like, okay, like go make content with you talking on camera about dating. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) <laughs> um, you're like I so, think I didn't fully read the position yeah. at all <laughs> yeah I think I really didn't expect to get the job but I did and it was an interesting first few months of like me kind of trying to like fake it till I made it kind of thing but um Wait, I also together- sorry to cut you off but what year yeah. was this just to give like an idea this was 2018 I started at Hinge okay so were you on Hinge at this point I was. Okay, so that's really interesting. I had been been on Hinge. I'd been on the other dating apps too. And I mean, at Hinge, like nobody cared what dating app you used. You know, like there were like Tinder marriages and stuff and everything. And no no one cared. Like everyone just wanted people to find love. But um, ironically, Hinge was the only app that I'd ever actually made it out on a date with somebody from. Like Bumble never worked for me. I used like J-Swipe, The League, like all all the things. And they the only one that ever really like worked, not, not that it like worked, worked, but the only one that seemed to work was Hinge. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like, I think so too. Currently too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I started doing a lot of like dating content where I was talking about dating and I tried to keep it really surface level in the beginning. I made a rule for myself that I never wanted somebody to not want to date me because of my job. And so I tried really hard to like not talk about my personal experiences and stuff. And I kind of started to open up a tiny bit. I think the first thing was about like a breakup I went through. And 
like I was having a really hard time and I'm like, I know I'm always giving you guys advice, but right now, like I feel like I'm having a really hard time. And when I did that and I opened up even like the tiniest bit, I got more messages than I could have counted from people being like, thank you so much for opening up. Like I'm going through this too. Like this made me feel so much less alone or like, I thought I was the only one who felt this way after a breakup. And so that was kind of a really eye-opening experience that if I actually talked about what I was struggling with, it helped people, which is what I originally set out to do in the music business. And so I started doing that more and more. And I still, I still stick with the idea of not wanting people to not want to date me because of what I do. So I never like would say anyone's name or like give any personal details about anyone else or anything like that. But um, yeah, then I decided like, okay, I'm doing this in like short form content. What about a podcast? And so I started a podcast for Hinge called Dating Sucks. And it was truly like, it was like everything clicked. It was like, this is exactly what I want to be doing. This is helping people more than anything I've ever done. It's helping me. I'm learning. I'm having an amazing experience doing it. And so, yeah, as of November 2020, I have been on my own and I relaunched basically Dating Sucks as seeing other people with no affiliation to Hinge. And I had a co-host at first, Jonah Feingold, um, but Jonah's film career, which was like his original baby, really took off. So he went on to pursue that and seeing other people is now my own baby. Which is awesome. Um, I love your journey because, you know, part of the reason I started podcasting and like started it with the name What the Fuck's Up was because I was like freaking out, kind of having my own like poor life crisis. Yeah. I was like, I always thought I was going to act or sing or whatever. Like I went to Northwestern to act. I always thought by, you know, 26 or so, I'd be like, further along than I was, even though I have credits and some people can't even say that. So obviously I'm appreciative of like having been on TV shows and in films and stuff, but like it still wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, and I kind of had a similar experience in that, like, I just kind of fell into podcasting. Like I was listening and kind of had the same feeling of like, oh, I could do this and like relate to the whole idea that like, it's something that you feel like it's helping other people, but you simultaneously Mm -hmm. because you're learning so much about other people and seeing so many different perspectives. It's like, it's just a very humanizing experience. So that's so awesome that you got into that that way. Um, At Hinge, you said you were like doing content stuff. Was that like exclusively Instagram at the time or like how were people finding the content? Yeah. So it was mainly Instagram. Like Instagram was really where everything lived. Um, We got into Twitter at one point and then one of my coworkers really took over the Twitter. And then we finally in 2020 launched a TikTok as well. Um, But Instagram was really like the heart of the hidden social strategy. So it was, it was static content. It was memes. It was like motivational posts. It was dating advice. It was a lot of videos. It was Instagram story takeovers, a lot of like interacting on the story with polls and question boxes and DMs and stuff. So everything was mainly Instagram. Yeah, which totally set you up for what you're doing now, which is awesome. It's great when the universe does that shit. It's like, yeah. thank you. <laughs> like I double majored in psychology. I'm like, oh, that that kind of works. Yeah. Um, was the video the first like more vulnerable breakup video you did? Was that on Instagram? That was on Instagram. I posted a bunch of stories mm-hmm. about it. Um, it's so funny. I haven't thought mm-hmm. about this in a while. But I actually recorded this video like I was in a hotel room in Los Angeles, like right after my boyfriend and I broke up because he lived there. Which hotel? I have to know because I lived there for three years. <laughs> God, I don't remember. It was in West Hollywood. Obviously, it was in West Hollywood. Of but, course. <laughs> but I don't remember. Um, I'll guess and we'll talk about it yeah. after, but I digress. So yeah. I'm in that hotel room and I like recorded this video having no idea whether or not I was going to post it. It was probably like a minute and a half long. And I, I sent it to like the, the head of the marketing team and my creative director. And I was like, I don't know yet if I'm going to post this, but I wanted to send you guys. Like, I know I haven't done anything like this, but like thought it could be something interesting. I don't know. And I think I sat with it for like three weeks before actually posting it. And then when I did, like it was, I've never gotten more positive feedback and it really was like, oh shit, like this is what I need to be doing. (laughs) That's awesome. It really, it's great on both ends when you feel like those experiences can help. And I totally also relate to um, just the idea that like, 
it's hard to be vulnerable sometimes and share aspects of your life, especially in the dating world. Like I'm not a dating podcaster, but like still, you know, I was on a date last night and the guy was like, so do you like talk about this on your podcast? And it's like, well, maybe if you really fuck me over without right. your name, or maybe if we had a really good time, but like weeks later without your name again, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I think it's, sometimes hard for people outside of it to understand the intentionality behind it. But I think most people like you or me, uh, for the most part, like they use it not to like tear anyone down. They use it because it's your lived experience and you want to be able to authentically relate to people using that lived experience. Absolutely. But here's where it's tough because if if you or I really did open up about those experiences and after every date we actually talked about exactly what happened, like we would get further, faster, you know? And there, true, there are yeah. so many people who do do that. And it's it's really tough because like I watch them do basically what I'm doing, but they really are very forward about their actual like dating experiences, their sexual experiences and stuff. And it's like, that is what people want to listen to in a way. So it really does help them like further their career. But I don't know. It's just, it's something that I would never want to do. (laughs) Yeah. It's totally a personal choice. Yeah. Where you do it, but they're not saying names, are they? Just out of no, course. no names, but like okay, but like but the people like would know details. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, interesting. Never thought of it that way, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I know for me personally, like there are past episodes where I've just gone like balls to the wall, and then other times I'll just like totally fall back. But yeah, I think I've found a happy medium for myself where. You know, I'm not giving too much away, even if I want to, like, talk about a personal experience. But anyways, prior to your current relationship, what was your dating life like? Because, like, I've kind of heard it through other people. (laughs) Through other people. Uh, Didn't even mean to do that. But but I'd love to hear it, like, Zoom face-to-face, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I, as I was in the music industry, I, I... felt this like really deep connection to a lot of other people who also worked in the music industry. I think it's something that happens to a lot of people who work in the music industry where it's just, it's a very niche, tough world. And the way like everyone basically is working these like minimum wage jobs with these really, really big goals and similarly to acting yeah. and a lot of artistic endeavors for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's this whole different world and you guys have this whole other language and you really understand why they're doing what they're doing and that it's so driven by passion and that everyone like has these really big goals. And no matter like how hard it is now, like you're gonna do whatever it takes to get there. And I don't know, I just, I kind of got into the habit of really connecting with other people Uh, other guys who worked in the music business. And so I really like dated those guys only. Um, It was either guys who worked in the music industry or somewhere in the entertainment industry. Most of them lived in LA or eventually moved to LA. I was going to say, it makes sense you were doing long distance with Mm -hmm. LA then. Yeah. Yeah, Or like there were people who like, I was at a a record label. So there would Mm -hmm. be guys who would come in with the band or like the band would come in. And like, I ended up dating like different managers of bands that my label represented or like a guitarist from a band. Like it would just happen that they would come in and I'd start talking to them and like, it would just be like, all right, like there's something here. Let's go figure it out. But then they never lived here. They never were looking for anything serious. And the, the above all thing was that they all their career was their priority, which it was my priority too, but I never thought that it was career or relationship. I've always been in the school of thought where you can have both. And for basically like every single guy that I dated, it was always like, yeah, we're dating, but like, this isn't going to be serious because I can't be in a relationship until I get to this place in my career. Every single time. I think this is a generalization for sure. I tend to do those in podcasting because what else are you going to do to make a point? Like, sorry, cancel me. But I do think that a lot of guys, like, especially in their 20s, think that way. Yeah. Like, I think it's really a marked difference between 
the way girls in their 20s in particular and men in their 20s, we're talking like cis, hetero, mm-hmm. etc., perceive dating because like I think women are kind of used to like juggling all these different aspects of their lives yeah whereas for men career is supposed to be like they're supposed to be the breadwinners there are these like sexist old school undertones to these ways of thinking that impact the way we go about dating Mm -hmm. and I just see that whether or not my friends or I mean to we're more willing to like give a little or bend the way we're thinking or the way we're operating. Whereas guys, I think until they get to a certain point in their career, they're never going to take people as seriously for the most part. I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, but like, I think that is such a real thing that people, especially women dating in their twenties encounter that like, isn't personal to you, but probably felt super personal at the time. It, it did because it, it kept being like, well, I'm meeting all these guys who say they really like me and say like if they yeah. were going to be dating somebody, it would be me, but like they can't commit. And what what is it about me that makes people not want to commit? Because also here's the thing is like it worked for them too that I understood what they were doing and I was willing to be patient. And I could understand like their stresses at work because they were so specific, but it was something that I related to and I... I knew what they were upset about. I knew what was hard. So it was this thing where like it worked. It wasn't just like I was into guys who worked in music. It was like the guys who worked in music also were attracted to me and connected with me because I got it, you know? Got it. Yeah, it's like a double-edged sword in that way. Yeah, and they didn't have to explain things to me. You know, like I just understood. But it was tough because every time I was like, okay, well, like they're saying they like me. They're saying they love spending time with me. So like maybe I'll convince them to like, actually be with me and and you know like it wasn't always like that there were times where like it did turn into a relationship and and there was like that aspect of commitment and stuff but then ultimately it was like I can't fully give this relationship everything because I'm not like I need to focus on my career and so that was really tough um because it's just something that I will never understand because I would always be like why not like fully go for your career, but have somebody by your side, like supporting you and cheer you you on. Yeah. Like it's, you don't have to pick one or the other. So that, that really happened for a while. And yeah, I mean, there were, then there were times where I really like swore off guys in the music business after a while. Um, But then it was still like, I would, I would end up, talking to these people who weren't really looking for something serious, but they would act like they were and they would like, we'd be going on dates and then they'd introduce me to all of their friends. Like they were guys whose parents I met, but like they, they weren't looking for something serious. And I'm like, what the hell? Totally. I, um, I'm sure, you know, the you up podcast with Mm -hmm. Jared and Jordana, Um, I've spoken to Jared before trying to get him on my podcast. Come on, Jared. He's like so busy. Um, so it's fine, but I'm I'm ready. That was good. Uh, (laughs) basically what he talks about in the podcast a lot is that guys can sometimes, whether intentionally or not, prey on the idea of like future tripping Mm -hmm. with women where it's like to girls, it's so hot if a guy's like, well, maybe we'll go on vacation there someday, you know, like planting those seeds. Yeah. I don't know. It really builds you up emotionally and helps you take your walls down or take your guard down, Um, which also can be so tough because like, I think that's also a huge part of dating at this age. These guys will promise a lot and not always follow through with it. And something that from the episodes I've listened to with you that I appreciate that you do is I think a lot of times as like women were told to like downplay it or kind of move past it or write it off. And I think you're really vulnerable in your podcast in a way that's like, you know, not like sitting in it and being like, woe is me, but it's also giving the hurt the attention it deserves in a way where Mm -hmm. you're like, I'm not just going to downplay this and be like, it was fine. It did hurt me. It did impact my self-esteem. It's such a part of our conversation as a society. Like you see all these TikToks about it. You see like memes about it, whatever, but it's all kind of you know, putting it off a bit as a joke. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it really can be hurtful. Like we started the zoom out with me talking about how I just kind of like hit a breaking point with a guy where I felt I'd been disrespected by him and I just not said anything and not said anything and then said something. So 
you know, as much as we can all try to like move past it, I think it's really hard when you put yourself out there and share parts of yourself with these guys and don't always get the same respect in turn. So I think it's awesome that you're like honest about that, you know? Thank I you. Yeah, credit. I appreciate yeah. that. And and it, the, here's the thing is like, it's hard to be honest. It's hard to say like, yeah, yeah this, this experience really hurt me. This impacted me. This broke me. You know, it's really hard to say that. But A, the more you can like do that, whether or not you have a podcast, whether it's just to yourself or to your therapist or to friends, you know, the more you do that, the more you'll find out that you're not the only one feeling that way. I think that's the biggest thing is like 100%. the more we can be honest about like the things that have hurt us and the, the struggles we have, the the less alone we'll feel. But you'll end up like helping somebody else because someone else is feeling that way and is afraid to talk about it, too. Exactly. And then there's also like, it's just like humbling at the end of the day too. that whatever horrible experience you've been through, whether it's that or other things, like I've openly talked about the fact that I was like really fucking depressed earlier in the year on the podcast. And it's like, you think it's just you when you get like too caught up in your issues. And when you can kind of like zoom out and see and have that perspective, it's like, I'm not the center of the universe. Other people go through this too. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm not alone. You know, it's like good on both sides of it in that way. So yeah, totally know what you mean. And as hard as that was for you to go through, it's great that you were able to open up about it for anyone who's listening in like an honest way, because here's one of the things is that like, and I don't mean to like target this at Gen Z, but specifically Gen Z on TikTok is like glorified depression and anxiety and needing to be in the therapy. music actually too speaking mm-hmm. of like the music industry like I I always found that weird from the beginning and don't get me wrong Gen Z's if you're listening you guys are growing on me you really are <laughs> like I'm starting to have to like actually listen to those TikTok things that are like okay scrolling's great but maybe take a break I'm like fuck you're right yeah so it's definitely growing on me I think there's a lot of good they do but that is something that I noticed originally when Gen Z was starting to like come onto my radar more and their music and their, mm-hmm. you know, influence. Those songs like push me to the edge. All my friends are dead. Like yeah. shit like that. It's like, it's okay to be dark, but it is kind of a glorification of it when it's sang in such a like, yeah, whatever. Like everyone's like singing at a party, you know, it's kind of wild. Yeah, it is. And, know. and it, it really can be like all consuming where it's like, Oh, well, like everyone's depressed. Like, and then you start to think, like, maybe, like, if you're not depressed, it's like, well, maybe I should be because, like, they're having so much fun talking about being depressed. It's like, it's really fucked up. That's such an interesting thing that I've thought about before, but I'm glad you bring it up because I've never spoken about it on the podcast. Um, I actually recently, this past week, I put out an episode with um, Alessandra Torresani, who's a really cool actress and very open about and advocating for awareness surrounding like bipolar, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is great because I think that anxiety and depression, I think we're coming some way with it in the sense that it's like being talked about and it's being normalized Normalized. more. Mm -hmm. But I do agree that at times it's being normalized in a way that's almost like trivializing it, I guess. Like, I love my therapist says the Instagram account, but sometimes like the jokes, it's like, wow, this is kind of encouraging this really hurtful way to speak to yourself when you're suffering with anxiety or depression, where it's like, haha, I should just go fuck myself because I'm never going to be treated well. And it's like, that is something a lot of people are telling themselves. And like, well, it's sometimes funny and like that kind of humor where you're like, oh, like I see myself in it. It's also not something we should be encouraging. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. It's it's something that I hope we get better at it. I feel yeah. like the title of this could be like, what the fuck's up with glorifying depression? <laughs> um, no, it's so yeah. true. And I, and I get it to an extent. Like, I'm technically a comedy podcast, which is kind of hilarious in itself because like half the time I'm just having like really deep conversations yeah. and then half the time it's like me with a comedian getting interviewed, like peeing myself laughing. So, mm-hmm. you know. Just trying to keep a good range. But that being said, I think a lot of like great comedy comes from darkness and kind of yes. trying to work through that in a way. So I get it. But it is hard when it becomes so ingrained in the culture that people aren't recognizing it as like unhealthy behavior types. Like, you know, when all these memes are like, I talk to myself like shit, like that's kind of what they're all saying at the basis of it. It's yeah. so wild because we don't even recognize self-deprecation it now. is relatable. And mm-hmm. and that's what it comes down to. But it's like, 
are there ways to be self-deprecating and hopeful maybe, or like turn it around? Like I know for me, what I do with all of like my memes and my like TikToks and stuff is I like, I try and really like talk about a problem, but then like a better way to go about it. Like, yeah. yeah, that's so something like now that you've pointed it out, I can like recognize within it. Yeah, it's like, like you'll joke about yourself getting ghosted, but then there's like a happier kind of like, but let's get together girls, you know? Yeah, like, or like, but, let's, vibe. but like imagine if I went for somebody who knew how to openly communicate so that I wouldn't yes. feel anxious. So it's also so great because it kind of sounds like, you know, what you were saying before where you were kind of like learning and teaching yourself. Yes. My therapist, actually, it was really funny when I was like going through it and more depressed and whatever. I was just being so hard on myself and I couldn't see things clearly. And like, well, some of the things I was being hard on myself about were actually really helpful because I was recognizing bad patterns Mm -hmm. or ways in which I should hold myself accountable. In other ways, like I was just totally diluting and not giving myself credit for things I had done really well or successes I had, whether that was in podcasting or friendships or whatever. And I was, you know, talking to my therapist one day about it. And she was like, you know, that podcast episode I listened to with Kate Nichols, it was like one of my first episodes, but I loved it. Um, Kate mm-hmm. was a great guest. But she's like, you need to go back and listen to it because I re-listened to it and like you need to listen to your own advice (laughs) and like that's something that's kind of nice too when you're like preaching this advice is like obviously we're all human and we're all gonna have our moments but like it is so important to like listen to yourself sometimes and like it sounds so corny and whatever and everyone says it but like treat yourself the way your friend's gonna treat you and not just like shit on yourself constantly. It's it's funny you say that because I do the same thing where I like I'm like, oh my God, I'm so unaccomplished. Like, I'm not doing anything. I need to be doing so much more. I need to be like taking on more projects. I need to be doing more with seeing other people. I've recently said to someone, like, I don't even think I'm good at podcasting. And they're like, well, that's that's wild. And they were like, that's because you don't (laughs) listen to your episodes. I'm like, I know. Why would I want to listen to myself and just be like nitpicky about every little thing (laughs) I do? And so I recently, I have, um, shout out Cammie. I have an editor now. And so Mm -hmm. what I've been doing is like, I'll just write down little like time codes during the recording. Like, okay, like, yeah. I have to cut this thing out, whatever. I'll send it off to her and she would ask me to like review it. And I'd just be like, okay, sounds good. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to it because I didn't want to. But I recently, last week I, or two weeks ago, I like started to, and I like listened to a few of them and I was like, wait a second, I'm really good at this. Like, shit. Yeah, yeah, you are. I'm glad you're on the same page as the rest of us now. But I totally, no, I totally get where you're coming from, though. I I go through phases with it, and I'm kind of like the opposite end of the same problem, if that makes sense. Where, yeah. like, when I'm feeling, like, insecure about an episode or the way I'm speaking in an episode, I'll, like, just mm-hmm. listen again and again, like, if I listen again, it's going to like maybe change it or yeah. maybe I can change it. It's like, no, you flubbed that word, whatever. Yeah. You might have it's a, a word. undiagnosed speech <laughs> impediment and be a podcaster, but it's fine. It is what it is. It's okay. Yeah. You're, you made it. You're here. I made it. Um, But then other times I'll listen and like, I, I rarely have like an episode where I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. And right. I don't re-listen. It's horrible. But I'll have somewhere I'm like, this was good, but like I could have asked this or it could have been better. And then I'll listen back. I'm like, no, this was a really powerful episode, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah, tough. It's, it's tough. And I think that's true of like, again, any creative endeavor. Like I used to beat myself up slash still do like after auditions. It's a little different now because a lot of them are like self-tapes. So you mm-hmm. can review and edit them and right. stuff. But but, you know, in-person ones in college, especially when you're like, I was in the theater school, so you're doing it in front of all your peers and like having them judge you and maybe give you roles, maybe not. It's really hard. But um, but I'm glad that you're getting to a point where you're like, oh, I'm good at what I do. That's Thank good. you. It's, it's tough God. because <laughs> it's so personal, you know? It is. Like, it's it really us. It's, it's not only our voice or in some cases when there's like video content, our face, but mm-hmm. it's our stories, it's like what's coming from our heart and our brain. And it's so interesting. I, when I was at Hinge, um, I got a piece of feedback about the podcast that I was too attached to the project emotionally. And I'm like, I'm like, you realize makes it good. I'm like, you do realize that this, this project is me and a guest talking for like an hour, like really vulnerably, vulnerably about a dating experience. Like, 
of course I'm emotionally attached to it. What do you mean? And like, that was really a hard pill for me to swallow because it's like, I'm literally putting myself out there. Like I am putting on the line. Yeah. Not, it's not just like my voice. It's, it's all of me. I'm giving all of myself to this company, to this podcast for it to help people and for people to learn from it so that we can talk about the mistakes that we make in dating and, and find solutions. And to be told that I was like too emotionally attached was like, isn't that the point? Like, shouldn't I be? Yeah. What? It was weird. Not to bring like feminism into it for like the 10th time in this interview, but to do exactly that. I think that's such a like sexistly charged comment um, that women in order to be like professional can't be emotional. And I think that's one of your strengths. And that's just like, you know, at the end of the day, that's such a learning lesson of like, don't take all advice, you know, like we're human, like maybe they didn't see the value in that. But that doesn't mean all the people who reach out to you all the time don't see it. And like, I think you're totally right to have been like, fuck that advice. Like I would have done the same. But it's it's hard when someone who's like, reviewing your work is going to say that to you, which is why it's nice that you like now are at the point where you can just be your own boss. Like, fuck that shit. Damn Seriously. straight. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> um, I never had to deal with that, but I do understand the idea that like, I think as someone who was just so focused on acting for years, part of it was like relieving that anxiety of like not being myself mm-hmm. for times, you know, yeah. where it was like, I could just throw myself into a character and not have to like deal with my problems and like funnel them through other people's problems. Right. And, you know, and like, even if, uh, you know, I got feedback on the way I did a role or something, it's, it's not about me at the end of the day, it kind of feels like, whereas singing and then podcasting have both felt like far more vulnerable to me. Cause it's like, things are just like you that you can't change, you know? Um, And so it was interesting because when I started, I was like, oh, it'll be easy in comparison to acting because like I don't have as much pressure on it. And then there's a point in time where I was just like, suddenly I don't know how to speak anymore. (laughs) And I think all podcasters like have these moments, especially early on. But yeah, I realized I was like, oh, I'm scared because this is just me. Like, if people don't like my podcast, they just don't like me. Yep. <laughs> but at a certain point, you really have to, like, throw your ego out and be like, well, okay. Like, people are going to not like me, and I just got to deal with that. But other people will. Like, guys, rate, review, subscribe, and write some nice things for us because <laughs> please, please, that hurts when people just literally negatively review the podcast. You're like, okay, good to take the input, but they just hate me. Um, I have a folder of mean comments about me. Why do you do that to yourself, Alana? Well, no. no, here's the thing. Here's the, no. I think these are hilarious. These don't offend me. Okay. These are like random strangers on the internet. They don't offend me at all. I think it's really funny. I made a mean comments video. Amazing. Let me find it. Yeah, I I don't get offended. But so don't worry. I also have a, a folder of like, you're doing great. Um, but I never check okay, these out good, except good. for like situations like this. Okay. This girl bothers me. Her voice makes me cringe. Can we smash? Why am I a white girl with white girl problems? Get yourself a cat. Problem solved. Okay. Oh my God. This is so bad. (laughs) That's fucking rude. She's speaking straight facts when it's on mute. This girl hooks up with her coworkers. I don't even know what that means. Shut up, Karen. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I could see people writing all these about me and it's kind of funny. Okay. Yeah. This is one of the, one of the best ones. Please go to the kitchen and make me sandwich. He gets the death sentence. <laughs> Look at her big ears, LOL. Oh my god! Can you hear me talking crap from Canada, eh? The A. Wait, I was told I had big ears growing up too. All the time. I got a lot of big ear comments. I also get a lot of comments about my lisp. I'm sorry. I dropped out of speech therapy in fourth grade. You don't grade. have a lisp. Um, and the, here's an, another one. Lisp, period. That lisp. <laughs> I hate it when she talks. Bruh, her hair changed itself like 20 times. Yes, I know. I have a problem with playing with my hair. I'm sorry. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Bet she still bangs her ex. Your lisp makes me want to pay for your speech therapy. Thank you. It's expensive. Yeah, literally. Take him up on that. Girl, put that ear away. Them ears large. Yo, with them ears, she's probably going to be Dumbo for Halloween. She's going to fly away from her exes. Like, she can probably hear people's thoughts with those. Okay, wait. I want you to send me. My ears are not that big. I want you to send me that one because I don't think I've told this story on the podcast before. (laughs) 
Okay, well, two things. Now we have to talk big ears. Suddenly the <laughs> the podcast title is like, what the fuck is up with people insulting mine Alana's ears? Get over yourselves. Um, so one of my most tragic dating stories is when I was either three or four years old. It's one of my first memories, which says a lot. I was in the playground uh, chasing, like playing tag with a few people, but like mostly my crush. Um, I won't say his name because it's a very obvious name and I doubt he's keeping tabs on me, but it'd still be embarrassing if you heard this. Because like the fact that I remember SOS. Anyways, at one point I was like the person tagging. I was like, you're it. Because I thought it was like cute and flirty at three or four. Uh And he was like, okay, Dumbo. No. And I literally just started sobbing and like, I will never forget it. So that was one of my first dating My heart hurts for you. It was tough. It was tough. But um, but now I love joking about it. And uh, and another thing that was really funny was, <laughs> I hope she doesn't hear this. It's one of my friends, but it's fine. Like, I'm not offended <laughs> by it. It's just funny. But one of my friends from high school, her mom, <laughs> oh, no. had gotten her ears pinned back at one point. And it was like a very life-changing event for her, which is great. Like, do what makes you feel confident about yourself. But without me saying anything about my ears, like every other time I would see her, she'd be like, Caitlin, I have to give you my surgeon's name. You did <laughs> such a great job. Like, it's going to change your life. You just get them a little push, push back a little. Oh, I was my like, God. I'm good. You're like, didn't ask, but now I know how you feel. Yeah, I'm like, tell me how you (laughs) really really feel. And as I'm saying this, I'm getting more and more uh, embarrassed by my bun with my ears. But you know what? My hair is not cute right now. You grew into them beautifully. Totally. We both did. As did I. We both did. Yeah, how dare they? That's one of our cutest features. (laughs) Anyways, I'm going to get into core life qualms because if not, this is going to be a two-hour interview (laughs) about our ears, which I'm down for, but... One day, we'll have to. Yeah. If you want to comment about our ears, get at us, okay? We don't even care. Sorry. We won't even take a screenshot of it and save it in a folder with all the others. Ever. Called Dumbo. Um, okay. Okay, so core life qualms. Moving into those questions, which, if you're new here, are all about your 20s and navigating that weird-ass time of life. Bring them on. Okay. What is one of the most difficult things that you have dealt with in your 20s and how has it shaped the person that you are today? Um, two things. One, like really feeling lost in my career and struggling with toxic bosses. I can see you guys can't see her face, but she's like, what can I say? yeah yeah like there there was a I mean I felt really 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 lost when I knew I needed to leave the music industry but didn't know what to do like I had spent the past six years like from the day I got to college like planning on my career and my life path in the music industry and I knew exactly what I wanted to do and then I've never felt more lost um and so that was really difficult but honestly it was like the greatest thing ever that I, I followed my heart and like knew that I needed to leave for my mental health, for my sanity, for my well-being. And I didn't care where I went. I just knew I needed to get out and getting out, starting fresh and realizing that I could use my skills just in a different field was the greatest thing in the world for me. And I'm, I'm so, so relieved. Like I would leave the music industry a hundred times over, you know? Yeah. It's so hard when you're in it to like have perspective or see beyond it. Cause that was probably such a painful moment that you're now so grateful for, but it's hard to say like in a few years when I land on my feet, you know, I'll be happy because you don't, it doesn't feel that way at the time. And I think that's something so many people in their twenties deal with. Like, again, that's part of why I started this. Um, and I had this amazing writer on, uh, Iman, and she, towards the end of her episode, was discussing how she also changed. She was going to be like a singer-songwriter to mostly focusing on writing and, you know, working at different media companies doing writing. And, um, and she talks about how she, like, reframed it. And I loved what she said about the way she reframed it to being like, Instead of being like, I'm giving up on my dream, I'm giving up on my path and my purpose, every day wake up and be like, is what I'm doing serving the person I want to be today? 
And just like having that switch of perspective and realizing that like you're not giving up on yourself and your life. You're changing things to benefit and to serve the version of yourself that you are in that day and in the present and not letting this idea of what you should or shouldn't be doing holding you back. So I totally like I get that. And I think it's such a good lesson that a lot of us, especially our generation, end up learning in our 20s. So. Yeah, especially like we hear our parents who like most of them and people in their generation stayed at the same company for like 10, 20, 30 years. And people our age do not do that. And and it's just so different now. And but that means that there is so much opportunity to change what's happening if you're not happy. Um, And then just quickly, the second thing I was going to say was really like having to bounce back from a really bad relationship and a really bad like heartbreak that like this, this guy broke me fully like I I did not think I was going to be okay and for a really long time I wasn't so bouncing back from that it it took a a long time it was a really big process but in a way it's like I well I wish all that didn't happen to me I'm really glad it did because it fully made me the person I am today wow that's you know that's intense but like awesome if you don't mind me asking was that the same guy that you made the video about or was it different No, it was different. But because of that, it was like any other, like after that experience, like any type of like breakup or thing ending impacted me so much more because I was so afraid of going back to that like dark, scary place, you know? So. Oh my God. I'm actually, this is going to sound so cheesy, but I'm getting the chills a little bit because right before we started, I like, you know, the way you mentally note like things you want to talk about with someone. I kind of had this mental note of how, I think that something that, like, I see in you that I have experienced for myself, at least, is I had the same thing. Like, I had a really, like, my longest term, most serious relationship, like, ended up in flames, right? Yeah. Like, it just fucking they was do. A shit show. <laughs> yes. What I was thinking about wanting to talk to you about in relation to that is, like, the idea that something I had to come to terms with is I realized, like, a pattern I had was... First of all, overly investing in these guys I didn't really care about, but then also like almost taking out that trauma on them. Like, -hmm. you know how girls will like joke about going through like man hating periods. And like a lot of the time it's like because you have this unresolved trauma from a breakup and it ends up like manifesting in these like people that it's not that you care about them. It's that you're triggered by like parts of your past. So it sounds like that's kind of what you're going through after him. Like you're so scared of being brought back to that place that you end up like displacing it onto them. Almost. Absolutely. It, yeah. it it really did happen like just like how you explained it. And so that's that's why it's like I feel like I feel things so much more deeply, partially mm-hmm. because I'm feeling what I'm feeling, but partially because I'm so afraid that those feelings are gonna bring me back to a really like like I, my friends and I refer to them as like my dark days, you know? Yeah. And they, they truly were. And I I have almost like fallen back into it before and it's it's really scary. And I know that going through that, like not only impacted me it impacted all my friendships, like it impacted my family and everything. And it's just like, I don't want to ever go there again, obviously, but I really get it. Um, it's really tough. And I think it's cool that you have the perspective of like realizing the way your behavior impacts others. But I think that also just shows how empathic you are and probably why you're feeling so deeply. And like, I'm sure you're being a little hard on yourself and that while it was probably tough for them to see, I'm sure they also like, you know, it feels good to be there for your friends through a hard time. So I get it, but I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. (laughs) I'm going to go to the next question, but I get it. Okay. Next question is what has been one of your favorite parts of being in your 20s? Ooh, I feel like I've lived so many different lives in my 20s. Like when I turned 20... I never would have thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now. I never would have thought I'd have like the confidence and the passions that I do now. Also, like so many parts of who I was when I was like a teenager growing up are still with me. Like I mentioned loving the Jonas Brothers before. Like I have a whole group of friends who like we're going to four Jonas Brothers concerts together. Like, we're fl- <laughs> we're flying to Denver together. Friends oh my Airbnb. God. We're going to West Palm Beach together for that concert. Like I have a whole group of like. Wait, that sounds so fun. Yeah. I'm so excited. So like being who I am now, like 
it's like part of me is so different than when I was growing up, but part of me is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really cool, like getting to grow, but also getting to just like continue on with the things that I loved the most with people who also loved those things. I think one really cool thing about growing up and being in your 20s and graduating college and moving to a new place is, yes, you you get to have your friends from your childhood and from college, but you also are in this really unique position where you get to meet all these new people who you can become friends with because of your shared passions. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't take advantage of that they're really missing out on. Yeah, I agree. That's been something like, especially like moving back to New York, I think it kind of forced me, even though I have so many people from different chapters of my life here. Um, I almost said lives, lol. Did I just say lol out loud? Okay, whatever. It's fine. But yeah, I have so many of those people, but it also forced me because like people grow up and get into their grooves and whatever to like also kind of like navigate new friendships and not just rely on the old ones. Yep. And like, that's been something that's been so special to me. Like my friend Katrina, shout out Katrina is like one of my best friends now. I feel like I've known her my whole life, but I've only known her like two years at this point. And that's kind of wild, you know? Um, so I totally agree. Or like I was at this bar and like ran into my workout instructor and now we're like friends and going out this weekend. Like so funny. So funny. And like, I love those little types of things. I guess it's like the extrovert in me, the extreme extrovert, but they give me life. I'm like, now I'm friends with my workout instructor. Who would have thought? It's cute. I mean, two, I had two friends come over last night who I met through the workout we were doing in quarantine. It's amazing. Like they're my genuine like real friends you it's know great. it's just so fun yeah and I think people like a lot of people close themselves off to that because they're like oh I'm getting too old to like make friends and it's like no you're never too old to make friends never you're just not I mean think about it in in 10 however many years whatever when we have kids like all of our friends are going to be like their friends parents like that's what's going to exactly. happen and, and so it's just like why not continue to build friendships and find people you connect with who you enjoy your time with like always a hundred percent I love that message I totally agree should I do one more question or should I just go to the game I can't decide which one game question question Question. okay one more question yay what is something that you do for yourself when you're feeling stressed overwhelmed or going through a difficult period so this is something that I started doing last November. One of my friends that I just met. Which is one, sorry to interrupt, but that's when you I left was let Hinge. go from Hinge. Yeah. I was let go yeah. from Hinge, which I thought I had the most job security in the world. Thought that would never in a million years happen. They decided to not do content anymore at all. I lost my job. And one of those workout friends actually had gone through a similar thing. She was let go from her job a few months before. And somebody sent her a coloring book, an adult coloring book and a set of markers. And she sent that to me and oh my God, I can't like, people ask me like, what's, what, what do I do for like self-care? Like, I color. I literally color. Wait, I, like, I want to do that. This is the best advice I've heard so far. Everyone's like meditate. I'm like, I don't know. No. Coloring. Yes. That's meditative. It is the greatest thing in the world. I have so many coloring books. I have so many different types of like marker sets. I've gotten so many of my friends, like even like my boyfriend, Jake and all of his roommates, like color now they have coloring books now too. And it's it's something that it's so, it feels so therapeutic. You can totally zone out and just color. You can color with music on the background. Like you can color while drinking wine. You can color while watching a show. You can just, you can (laughs) take it anywhere with you. This is a lot of pitch for coloring (laughs) and color books. It's, the greatest thing in the world and yes. there are so many fun books like the first one I was sent was a curse word book and so I got like all okay like, this is the around. one I want this is the yeah. one I want I'm looking I'll, I'll, no I'll send you a link yes please it's, that is what I do I cannot recommend it more highly it's amazing try it out thank me later I think we should make a crossover coloring book and like yes. sell it with our merch yeah that's okay we're Done. just gonna think about that it's just happening. think about it. it sounds fun Okay, guys, look out for Aren't you 2022. Glad you asked the <laughs> so glad. Uh, Life changing, really, that I asked it. Um, I love that too, because first of all, such a unique answer. No one has said coloring before, believe it or not. But also because, like, it's so channeling your inner child. Like, it's the same way you're talking about, like, the Jonas Brothers. Those things seem to be, like, a huge, like, stress reliever yeah. for you. And that's totally that's so fucking fun. I love that. All right, let's end this off. So for you, especially, Alana. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Do you say that because your last name? 
No, but sometimes, no. <laughs> I never did, and then I was like, one day I was like, holy shit. You had, like, yeah, a light bulb yeah. moment. It's awkward yeah. how quickly I realized that because I love bad puns. Anyways, <laughs> so for today, we're going to be doing a mashup game of two of my favorite games. So seven T questions, T-E-A, which is, like, what's the T, rapid fire, whatever, and what the fuck boy, since you have some fuckboy experience and do run, do you? And run a dating podcast. So basically, I'm going to do the 70 questions, but they're all going to be about dating and fuckboys and such. Let's do it. All right. Come on. Number one, what is the current romantic tea in your life? Um, The current romantic tea, well, I talk about this a lot, but I'm in like the first like healthy relationship I've ever been in. Um, this is really my like not so creative way to ask you about Jake. <laughs> yeah. No, everything's really been going great. It's it's so funny because my friends make fun of me because I'm always like, when is something going to go wrong? You yeah, know? when's the other so shoe going to drop? Kind exactly. Of thing, yeah. But like everything is so great. Um, the mm. biggest tea is that I'm going on vacation with his family in <gasps> September. Um, so do you like them? I guess you can't say no, but yeah, no, I, I I do. I really, they're really wonderful and I'm very excited. I'm like more excited than nervous. Um, that's a really good sign. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's that. Where are you guys going? Charleston. Ooh, I've always wanted to go. I've been there once. Great place. I'm excited to go back. All right. Question number two. What is a dating deal breaker for you? Dogs. If they don't like dogs. Oh, I thought um, you meant if they had dogs and I almost was like, I don't know if this friendship's going to work. Nope, nope. Um, no, if they don't like dogs, it's it's not going to work. It, it's so funny because when I met Jake, he like really, he had never had a dog. Like he's never like been close to like a friend's dog or anything. And he very quickly realized that that was going to have to change. And so we started doing, whenever we're like walking down the street, we'll rate dogs. So like I'll point out a dog that passes by and he'll give it a rating out of like one to 10. Um, so that we started to get a feel for like what kind of dogs that he likes. And um, Wait, guys, that's a really good dating tip if you're like thinking about getting a dog with your mm-hmm. significant other. Yeah. I love that. And so I recently decided actually that I am, I'm going to get a dog soon. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited. My, my family dog, like my whole heart, um, she passed away this summer, unfortunately. So so sorry. Me too. It's been rough, but, um, I'm trying to make the best of it and look at it. I was never going to get a dog for myself while like she was alive. So now I'm like, let me fill this hole in my heart kind of. So, um, he went with me last weekend and we went to two different like dog stores just to see like what, what we're into, um, and it's so funny cause I, I like to say I've been like grooming him since the day we met for yeah. this to happen. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it's all happening. Yeah. It's worked. I've changed him. Literally. Uh, so that's my deal breaker. I get it. I had a dog growing up who I was only child. I am an only child. And my parents got my dog Gigi. And I would always like say to people like, so seriously, like, that's my sister. Like she's yeah. my sister. Like I'm not an only child. I have a sister. She's just a dog. Um, But seriously, we were like that close. And it was hard because like for a while, my parents were like, we're not getting another dog. No dog will be as good as Gigi, like whatever. She passed away while I was a junior in college. Um, And it was so like hard for a while. But now I have Delilah and she's like, literally my parents, like now we get in fights. I mean, she's obviously like mine Mm -hmm. and I have her, I would say 90% of the time. But, you know, sometimes if I'm going somewhere or I have, like, a super busy weekend, this weekend, none of those things applied, but they haven't seen her in, like, over a month. And they just wanted her. Um, and last time they saw her, yeah, I was there, so they still didn't see her as much. And they were literally like, please, like, That's exactly what I expect yeah. to happen. Yep. Yep. It will. It will. Which is great. Also, I'm, okay like, I'm so appreciative of them helping out. But I really miss her this weekend already. It's been, <laughs> I dropped her off yesterday. So, anyways... What is just quickly one of your craziest dating stories? Oh, oh God. No, it's like there are so many. One thing that was like really like bizarre was I was asked out on a date by one of the guys who was like in the band of one of our artists Mm -hmm. when I was working at Sony. And he actually was just, I literally was watching The Bachelorette the other weekend. There he was on it. So he was like the guitarist for one of the people who was on it. And I was like, wait, 
I know you. I'm in out with you. Wait, who was just on it? Yeah, like a few weeks ago. He was on The Bachelorette or like the singer? He was the, the singer, which is why I wasn't expecting to, that to happen. But anyway. Oh, the, like for one, the bands that played yeah. while they were. Oh, okay. Oh my God, I was so confused. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, should have been more clear no, don't worry. But um, yeah, so it was really, what was funny was because I thought he was literally like my age and I was like 23 at the time. And I get to this date and I was like super nervous because it's a super intimidating thing. Like, like he's somebody on my label. And I get to the date, again, I'm 23. I thought he was maybe 25. I find out he's like 33 and also like has two tattoo sleeves. And I'm like, oh my God. If like, if only my parents, like if they knew, they would literally like put me on a leash and never let me out again. So. But now they know. If they listen to us, now they know. (laughs) So that was, that was one that I was just like, what the hell is going on here? I feel that. It's really weird starting to get older and dating because, like, like it took me up until last year to be like, oh, wait, 30's not old anymore. Like One other quick thing, and I'll tell you more off offline, but with somebody I dated, uh-huh. um, he was the manager for, like, one of the most known, listened to rappers in the world. Oh, my God, I need to know after. Yeah. So all of our dates, he was just, like, there on them. Like, we would get a table for three, and he would just, like, have his headphones on, and, like, people would come up and, like, ask to take pictures and stuff, and, like, it was just, like, because we had to be there with him. <laughs> so you were the famous third wheel is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, every, like, literally, like, yeah, every single day. That is fucking <laughs> hilarious. You guys are, like, trying to, like, move to the bedroom. You're yeah. like, okay, stay there, Kanye. Drake, just wait in the hallway. That's hilarious. I love that. Okay, I have a feeling I know this one, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Nick Jonas. Yeah, that's what I knew you were going to say. I knew you were going to be a Nick girl. Nick I girl? was a Joe girl. That's so girl. funny. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But um, also, I like I was going to tell you this after, but now I guess I'm going to tell you it now. Um, I've seen him in person before. Really? Yeah, I was part of um, a bougie club, I won't say the name, in uh, Los Angeles, SOS, you know, my (laughs) another one of my nine lives, if you will. And I was at dinner one night with my friend Sammy, and we were sitting right next to him and Priyanka. It was so hard to act normal, but obviously, like, the whole point of being part of those types of to like, act normal, like yeah. to act normal and not be like, hi. Um, and right. I would never do that. It's like, I know it would be like, it would ruin their meal, but. Well, I have a, I have a funny story. I was once, um, and this is a whole long story of why this happened, but I was in a room with Nick, Priyanka, Joe, Sophie, and Kevin. Oh and. God. Oh, is this when was... you were in the music world? No, um, I, I ended up like kind of working for them on the side, unrelated, um, oh my god! But, yeah, it's a whole other thing. But um, very the lead. But Sophie, they had just gotten engaged, so like she's like showing off her ring. I'm literally like playing with her ring, and I'm like, "Wait, how old are you?" And she's like 22, and I was like, "Oh, oh no!" <laughs> I was like, "What?" Like it was so funny because I didn't realize she was that like that much younger than me, and I was just like, "Wait, what?" But it was so funny. Like I'm literally just like there, like playing with Sophie Turner's engagement ring, and I was like, "What is happening?" Right literally now? goals. <laughs> I think she's so great, too. She's the greatest person. She also gives off, like, more mature energy. So it's, like, it's confusing. I wouldn't think she was younger than us, too. Like, I know because, yes, I've done my research. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I would totally have the same reaction. I feel like that happens to me a lot just as someone who, like, has wanted to do entertainment my whole life. I'm like, she got what role at what age? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But that's hilarious. That's an iconic story i'm really glad you told it what is your favorite quality about jake oh my god shit yeah no pressure (laughs) oh he's gonna listen to this too he listens to every single episode that i'm on hi jake hi jake i know it's so cute i heard him saying that on the episode you guys did (laughs) together i was like oh my god this is exactly what i want like (laughs) i hate when guys on dating apps are like tell me about your podcast like it's like they want me to like pitch it like go listen to it Exactly. Versus the guys, a lot, like not a lot of guys, (laughs) smart guys, a few guys have been like, oh, like they'll take the initiative and they'll be like, oh, I listened to your podcast. I really liked the episode. And that Mm -hmm. feels so much better than like me having to like know they're listening and or explain it to them or feel like, you know, 100%. Um, Favorite quality. Yes. Favorite quality. There are a lot. Um, I really think he's just so supportive and like interested in like, how he listens to every episode, like, and if there's, like, anything going on in my life, like, he 
wants to like know how he can help and like really support me through it. And um, that's just like, he's just so caring and like kind. And yeah. I think that's something that's just really special. And like, for example, like when my dog passed away, like he and I had just gotten to the beach in Delaware where we were supposed to be spending like four days for July 4th. Mm-hmm. And we, he like, so it's really recent, really recent. And Sorry. he, like, did everything he could to figure out a way for us to get back. Like, there was literally not a single car that we could rent in the state of Delaware. He was, like, asking his, like, old coworkers and his friends if they if anyone could, like, pick us up halfway or something. Like, yeah. he, like we ended up getting, like, a $500 Uber back. Like, he tried to pay for it because he knew, like, I, like, didn't want to think about it. And then he literally stayed with my family. Like, he had met my family once before, and he stayed with us for five days straight because he just, like, wanted to be there and, like, be there for us and... It's just, like, so caring and thoughtful. Hi, Jake. Um, yeah. I, like, I start tearing <laughs> up a little bit. I'm like, why can't every guy be like that? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I'm so happy for you. And, Jake, just keep on doing it. And if you have any friends who are equally sweet. I'm, I literally just teared up hearing that. <laughs> okay, this is a change of gears. Oh, God. What is a turn-on for you, sexually or otherwise? Um, it's, it's tough because for me, like, I'm way, like, I'm just, like, not that sexual of a person. <laughs> Which, like, I think people who, like, listen to singing other people know, but I've never, like, outright just, like, said that. Wait, like, I love this answer. Yeah. So for me, I just, like, if it's, like, I just need to, like, feel comfortable with someone, you know? It's, like, really, that's what it's about for me. So, so emotions are sexy yeah, to you. Yeah. Communication. That's the thing. Communication I, is a turn on. I actually yes. just wrote a tweet that I think when I post it on Instagram is going to pop off. Communication is hotter than a six pack. Let's go. There you go. We found a solution. <laughs> we did it. We did it. The last question is, what is something that people otherwise wouldn't know about you? And since this is the love life mashup or the fuckboy mashup, your love life. That's hard because they probably know most things. They know like everything. Oh my God, that is really tough. I mean, I guess it's, I guess people just wouldn't know that I'm like really like overly critical of everything that I do. You know, it's like, and, and here's a good way to put it is like, I'm very much a people pleaser in everything that I do. So like, especially also in dating, it's like, I would go above and beyond for somebody who like was giving me the bare minimum, you know, not great. Um, but then in everything I do, like with, anything with work it's like I will do like 10 times of like what I'm being paid to do for someone because I want them to be like happy and for like what they're trying to accomplish to work out which is a really big problem for me that I'm trying to work on boundaries you know have healthy boundaries well it's so funny because like getting to know you through this and even like talking beforehand I think you're so someone who like you take on a shit ton and it's very very impressive I don't know how you do it. I'd be exhausted if I were you. I'm the most tired person ever. Yeah. It's really bad. Well, I hope you continue to work on that because you should be proud of yourself and you should be, again, a woman thing. We all need to be valued at our worth and to value ourselves. It's just tough to remind, remind ourselves of that in the moment. Exactly. Well, on that note, thank you so much for your time, Alana. I really appreciate it. I loved our conversation. It went so many directions. It was so fun. Um, Do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? All the things. Yes, everywhere at Seeing Other People and at Alana Dunn, I-L-A-N-A-D-U-N-N. And yeah, please give a five-star rating and a kind review. If you are listening on Apple Podcast app, if you are not, please just open up the Apple Podcast app, go to What the Fuck's Up, and oh. give give that review. Please do it and right to here. And seeing do other it. people. It takes two seconds. That too. People are so funny. They don't realize how quick it is. Yeah. Um, anyways, thank you so much again. You guys can all follow me at CKNY1213 and at WTF Sup Pod. Okay. Thank you, Lana. Bye. Thank you. 